You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Pimp Cron. This is the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and you are listening to episode 88 which I cannot believe that we're episode 88. We're very near 100 episodes, which is just awesome. Thank you for listening, and thank you to all my Patreon sponsors. I love you all. You are beautiful, beautiful people. Anyway, what are we getting on to tonight? We are talking about... Hmm, I'm, a, I'm afraid I don't want to give this away yet. This is my favorite letter I've ever gotten from a listener, and I'm going to... Okay, I'm just going to tell you. It involves miniatures and scrotums, okay? I'm just going to leave you with that, and you're going to enjoy it because it's delightful. Uh, Sergey writes into us, and it just tickled my fancy. We also have an interview with my friend Josh. We've mentioned him before, like when just James and I and Josh went to Burke's Winter Blast and when we had narrative things and whatnot. And um, Josh played Heroclix for many, many years, and we discuss his opinions on the good and the bad of Heroclix versus Warhammer. And now he plays Warhammer for two or three years now. So that is a pretty good conversation. And uh, you'll learn a lot about how the players see Heroclix and how the company treats the players and, and whatever. It's not all bad. It actually, I thought it would be more of a burning at the stake than it actually was. And uh, he was very reasonable in all of his stuff. So let's let's listen to what he, ha- he has to say. We also have Cronet 2 of 4 online with me, and we have uh, Want That or Want That Not with the Inquisitor Kyria, I think it is. The new model that was sneak peek leaked for Psychic Awakening. And we discuss what we think of that. Unfortunately, the um, interview with Josh was a Skype call, and I'd never, you know, I've done many interviews via Skype. But I've never done an interview via Skype through my phone. So he comes out perfectly good. Like, his, his audio quality is good. And for some unknown reason, my audio quality is subpar. I'm not happy with it. But luckily, of course, I'm interviewing him, so he's doing most of the talking. And mostly it's not an issue, because he comes out just fine. What have I been up to? Well, I've had a very eventful week. Remember that last week... I had my four wisdom teeth t- taken out, and that was like really cool because you know I really enjoyed it. No, I didn't at all. But um, it's been over a week now. I got my four wisdom teeth out, you know, and all that. Well, a couple days after the podcast aired last week or this past week, my jaw starts swelling and and whatever, and I was afraid I had an infection. So my dentist gave me some antibiotics, and I was like, oh, cool, this is you know this is gonna help me. And lo and behold, as luck would have it. I am allergic to that antibiotic. So I am covered in hives, (laughs) itchy, itchy hives and rash all over my body for the last uh, near five days, probably. Um, So this this has just been a a serious, serious delight. I got to tell you, the whole wisdom teeth taken out thing was kind of a pain. It's just an inconvenience. It's not the end of the world. But I got to tell you, You are very short on patience with all of existence when you are covered in a rash that does not go away. And when I say everywhere, you say, oh, well, certainly he can't mean everywhere. No, no, no. I mean everywhere. That's what I'm saying. I am like a speckled cheetah, and it's not fun. So, 
man, I am going to be happy, happy, happy when all this is over with. That's what I've been doing. In my hobby time, I have been scratching literally everywhere with a 2x4, with a dead bird, with a tree branch, with my entire family's toothbrushes taped together on a stick, just just scratching. This is my my hobby time this week was scratching, okay? Uh but an actual hobby time. I've got something really cool to talk about. Um, yes, I'm still working on the Brutality Rulebook. It is very nearly finished. I'm at 101 pages now. Um, I just keep thinking of things to add. And the book just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just keep adding stuff because I want it to be like the coolest book ever. But it's not really what I was going to talk about. I saw somebody post on Facebook that um, they made a Necromunda merchant. And it was like a little store. And it had weapons on the you know platform like on the counter and there was a chair and a computer and whatever. And it looked really, really cool. I think it was on one of my terrain Facebook pages. And so I thought, you know what I've been for some reason in brutality. I love the idea of the traveling merchant and it's a mix of fantasy and sci-fi and all that. So I took an old orc war buggy and of course there's no fuel or, or like there's very few machines in brutality because where would you get fuel or how could you maintain them? So this is a orc war, war buggy that is going to be pulled by like a horse or something like that. They're just using the chassis as a cart. And it's got um, three different machine guns on like, you know, servo arms. They're pointed in all different directions. And the place, the whole vehicle has shelving around the outside of it, the bo- down both sides and down the back. And I painted like a bolt pistol and a power claw and a scope, and a length of rope, and a backpack, and uh, a whole display of swords, and this is a weapons merchant that I'm, I'm painting, this whole vehicle, and it has been a real blast. It's coming out really good. The entire vehicle is finished. I have not found, haven't decided on what the mount is going to be, that like the, the horse-drawn part of it, uh, what's going to be dragging it, and I have not yet painted the actual merchant. Now, I've got a merchant, you know, I've got a couple different merchants I could use with it, but I was thinking I might just make a, I have several models that I can use for merchants, so I'll probably end up painting a new person, just to, you know, for something else to do. But it has been very, very cool, so that'll be a cool objective or whatever for brutality. So, that is it. We have uh, quite a show for you, so let's, why don't we just uh, get on with it and, and just just wait. Testicles and miniatures, do they mix? Funny story. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey everybody, it's time for the Tesseract mailbox, and tonight we have such a special message. This has to be one of my favorite messages I've ever received from a listener, and it is really top in the cake here. I did not want to give it away in the beginning of the show because, boy, it is it. It you know what? I'm just gonna read it. Let's just let's just read it. This is this is pretty funny. Hello, Pimpcron. I am. I think it's Sergey. I am Sergey, and I have really enjoyed your shows. I hear you share secrets sometimes on this podcast, like secrets for tactics or secrets for hobby. I have had a hard time deciding to share this with you, but you said you need new messages for the mailbox. So, I have a good secret for you, but I must explain first, or you will think I'm crazy. 
My friend and I had argued about woman marines. I say they are whatever, and he says that they can be no. There can be no woman marines. He says they must be men, always men, or he is to, going to quit. So I decided to play a joke on him, and I built a marine with ball sack hanging out of the armor. <laughs> I also play tyranids and never use the toxin sacks for the arms. Toxin sacks make good ball sacks. So to make sure he knows my marine is a man and never a woman, I make toxin sack half as long and glue two hanging under his armor between the legs. We thought this was very funny, so I made a whole squad this way. Then I make another, and in time I make a dreadnought with ball sack. I now have 1,000 points of list with Marines, all with ball sacks. It is funny because it is always a good joke. New people examine my models, and when they notice the ball sack, they laugh and line their nose. It is not a clear thing to see, so you don't see it at first look. But way, when they notice whole army has ball sacks, it is funnier. Anyway, I had to share this with you because it started as a joke, but then it is hidden part for new people to find, and we laugh. Always gets a smile out of people. I hope to hear this on your show. Have a nice day. Well, Sergey, thank you for sharing this with me. This is delightful. Uh, this was a message on pimpcron at gmail.com, and I, this is just, you know, the only thing I'm going to ask for you, Sergey is please send me images of this army of space marines with ball sacks because I just it's something I have to see now. <laughs> now that you've now that you've brought it to my attention, it is something that I need to witness. So please send me a picture of your thousand points of Marines with ball sacks hanging out of their armor. And you're right, there's no denying that that is definitely not a female space marine. Um, and I'm with you. I, you know what? If they made female space marines, I totally don't care. I just, I, like you, I'm assuming I've got enough things to worry about in my life that if they made female space marines, uh, who cares? I, I just, I cannot be bothered with this sort of stupid thing. But this was one of my favorite letters I've ever gotten for the show, and thank you very much. It's actually. I guess this is kind of like a, you know, well, here's an idea. If you want to add ball sacks to your space marines to make it very clear that they are not woman space marines, then you should cut a toxin, take two toxin sacks and cut them in half and then glue them underneath your space marines so he's letting it all hang out and everybody knows. Oh man, this this one takes the cake. This is one of my favorites. Thank you for sharing, Sergey, and you also have a nice day. If you want to contact me at um, pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron, once again, our mailbox is low, so please send in some letters and we will, you know, maybe discuss your hairy ballsack space marine brigade. The, um... I hope they're called like the the scrote lords or something like that. You need to, I need to know what your yeah that's exactly now. Now also you send me images, Sergey. I need to know what your chapter is called because this is this is too good. And do you paint them? Like are they actually painted skin color? I have so many questions. So please respond. And uh, that is that's just too good. See you later. Want that or want that not?
Hey guys, I just wanted to take a little second and thank all of my wonderful Patreon patrons. We are a small group compared to a lot of other creators and things like that, but I greatly appreciate all of their support. We have the cutest gold trim scarab named Brendan that supports the show. Then we've got a bunch of funky warriors keeping it cool on the battlefield. We've got Mandy, LT, Nate, and Tom. Thank you so much. Then we move up to our badass cryptex, Colin, Andrew, Edward, and Shade. Shade's our newest member. Finally, we have the big boss. That's right. We have the mother flippin' lord, Mike. And that is the Pemcron Dynasty on Patreon. Thank you, as always, guys. Smooches! Hey everybody, it's Want That or Want That Not. Today is the Pimpcron and Cronet 204. What's going on, Cronet 204? Nothing! Alright, so today I had a special model I wanted you to review with me, okay? Okay. They just released Inquisitor Kyria Draxus. Very long name. Very, very long name. So what do you think of this guy? He has a pair of lips on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like he's got a pair of lips on his forehead. Um, did you know that this is actually a woman? <laughs> that looks nothing like a woman. I'm not lying to you. It's actually a woman. Now, now, seeing the name now, Kyria, I guess, like, okay, I can kind of figure out that's a woman. But yeah. I was just talking to, to Mr. James earlier today. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, did you see that new dude with the dragon and the armor? And he's like, "That that's not a dude. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> and, I mean, you know, being a bold woman is whatever. She doesn't have to have hair to be a woman, right? Yeah. But sh- that looks like a dude. Yeah. That and does the not... armor and, like, even the, like, the weapons. Like, you cannot even tell. No, I had no idea. He said that there's a video of, like, her talking, and then it's obviously a woman because it's oh. a woman talking. But I had no... That looks like a... That looks like a bad drawing. I know. So this Inquisitor is in some sort of armor. It actually looks kind of like it's Age of Sigmar armor. It does not look like 40k armor. Mm -hmm. And it's got bone on the shoulder, a a big skull, right? Yeah, like, I don't know, like... Like they killed something and put it on her shoulder. Yeah. And um, she's carrying... That's actually an Eldar weapon. That's that's an alien weapon. She's human, but that's an alien weapon. It looks like it's a sword... With, like, a mouth up top that's metal, and then there's, like, a axe or whatever. It's, like, a circular saw, like, blade on the Yeah, there is a blade on the side. side. I don't know what that is exactly, but the, um, it's definitely an Eldar gun that she's carrying. Yeah. And usually the humans don't use alien technology, but I guess she does. Uh, what do you think of the little dragon on her shoulder? It's, I like the colors. It's green, but... You can paint it any color, I guess. But what do you think of the model, though? It looks cool. It looks like it has, like, I don't know, maybe if you look at look at it the way I see it, like, you look right at it, and you can almost see, like, it looks like it has a helmet on, and, like, there's eye holes. Oh, you're right, yeah. Its mouth looks like the visor to a helmet. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually like the dragon. The dragon mm-hmm. looks pretty neat. The wings are pretty cool, too. Yeah, and but what's interesting to me is the reason 
I'm curious what the reason is because like the this knee pad right here and these feet, yeah, they look a lot like what Stormcast use in Age of Sigmar. You yeah. know my purple and gold Stormcast. Mm-hmm. Their knee pads look like that, and their their boots look like that, and a lot of their armor looks like this. And there's several armies in Age of Sigmar that have like a bone on their shoulder, like a big skull, and I'm thinking this is a very weird model. Compared Very to most forty k models, mm-hmm. if it did not have a gun right here, if she yeah. if she was not holding a gun, I honestly would have probably thought it was an Age of Sigmar model. Yeah, Be- because a lot of it looks like Age of Sigmar. It does not speak forty k to me at all, and especially it's got a dragon on a shoulder. Now, it's it's like a alien dragon. It's not like a normal looking dragon. Yeah, it's like obviously. But not she normal. is so derpy looking. <laughs> Like, seriously. You look at her, her ears almost look pointed, and, like, she has, like, circles under her eyes, like she's been awake for, like, 50 years. She looks like Captain Picard. (laughs) (laughs) That is Patrick Stewart, the actor. That's um, Captain Picard. A very bad drawing of him. Yes, it's a bad drawing. It's not even a good drawing of Patrick Stewart. That is oh that is a gosh. bad drawing of Captain Picard. In a Halloween costume. In a Halloween costume where he's dressed up as Age of Sigmar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am not a fan of this model in any way. Uh, like the armor, okay, the armor's cool, uh-huh. okay. And the dragon is like kind of whatever because you've yeah. seen a dragon a million times. A million. But the bone on the shoulder I don't think is special in any way. Yeah. And having an Eldar gun, I always thought Eldar guns kind of look stupid anyway. Uh-huh. So I'm not thrilled with that. And her head is the freaking derpiest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. So, do you want this model? Uh, no, I do not. And I don't either. This is actually the first time in a long time that we've had a... Two person want that not for a new GW model. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, I but know, her yeah. face kills it. Just, I know. Just kills it so bad. And you're right, she's got a mouth on her forehead is what it looks like. <laughs> her cape is cool, her armor, whatever the dragon, but the face. The face is awful. If I were, if I felt the need to buy this model for some reason, which I absolutely will not. <laughs> will never. I would have to change that head off for like a helmet. Yeah. Or get like a Sisters of Battlehead or something, mm-hmm. you know, something that looks... Because I don't even care that it doesn't, even if it was supposed to be a man, it is a derpy, derpy looking man. It's not... Yeah. So there's nothing... I mean, I understand women can be bald. That's no big deal. But the mm-hmm. sculpt on that face is just garbage. <laughs> garbage. Oh my god. So, Cronet 204... It's a want that not for you. Yes. And it is a want that not for me. No thank you. You can keep your derpy Patrick Stewart looking <laughs> bald lady and wow, that's awful. Bye Patrick Stewart. Bye Patrick Stewart. Thanks for being on to 204. Um thanks for letting me on. So we can just bully a miniature? Sure. <laughs> now it's time for real talk with Pentcron. Welcome to Real Talk with the Pimp Crown, and today I'm joined by my friend Josh. Uh, is that what you want to go by, Josh, on the podcast? Yeah, I'm good with that. I don't have any cool moniker right now, so we'll stick with that. <laughs> Not like uh, McStorman or Just James or nothing like yeah. that. Yeah. Man, I didn't take time to think of one. Now I feel unprepared. 
I want to talk to you today because you, uh, your history is in Heroclix before you got into Warhammer. And I also have some history with Heroclix, but you played it more like, you know, competitively and you went to shows and things like that, where I right. only ever did it casually. Right. So I can definitely speak to some of the things that you've experienced with Heroclix, but I can't speak to all of it. You're definitely more of an expert on it than I am. So, um, how did you first get into Heroclix, and when was this roughly? Huh, so, actually, I went to New York City for a, uh, it was actually a school trip. I was teaching journalism at the time, and I took a bunch of kids up there, and uh, we were just going around the city, and I hadn't been in a comic shop in years, and I loved comics, like in elementary, middle school, even in the high school some, but fell out of it, and hadn't paid much attention to any of it for a long time, and uh, just kind of ventured into a comic shop. And I can't remember what it's called now, but it was really cool. And I went in, and there just happened to be people in there playing, and it caught my interest, and I asked somebody what they were doing, and I uh, kind of watched for a little bit. When I got back home, I started looking for, like, I didn't even know if we had a local comic shop or where it was or anything. And ended up <laughs> finding, uh, yeah, finding Phoenix Rising and Salisbury is, like, the closest one. So I just walked in there one day, looked at some comics, bought a few, and uh, started talking to the owner, talking to JD and um, about it, like trying to you know see if there was a local. He's like, yeah, it's fun. We have a local group and things, and it kind of just took off from there. Started started playing, went in, tried it out, watched people before I spent a dime. Really, I just watched people play for probably two or three times. I went in. And then started to purchase a few blind boosters and things, and then it just kind of took off from there. So, so yeah, that, when was this roughly? Like how many years ago? Man, probably that was probably seven or eight years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. yeah, I think that was seven or eight years ago. I started playing right after the um, I don't remember what set. It was right when the the like the first Iron Man set came out. Uh, so yeah, that was probably, yeah, I would say it was probably seven or eight years ago that I, that I first kind of started dabbling in it. Now you've been into Warhammer for two or three years, two years. I think we were talking the other day. I think when we did the math in it, I think it ended up being like right in the middle, like two and a half years. So you did go to like events and organize tournaments and stuff like that, right? For Heroclix? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was when I first started off just learning, trying to learn the game. It was, you know, I was just uh, playing around at the, at the shop at Phoenix Rising. But over time, um, got more interest in, in seeing the bigger scene because I just had seen things online and heard people talking about different shows and they would do nationals in, diff in a different spot. Uh, every year they would, and it's not like that now. I think they they do it at one of the big game shows. I think whatever one they have in 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 uh, Indy, Indianapolis. I forget if that's Origins or what that is, but um, they have it there every year now. But before years ago, they switch it every year, and it just happened that they were having it uh, were having it at uh, in Glen Burnie. And I was like, well, yeah, I was, and I was like, so I just kind of, we all kind of were like kind of dumbstruck we're like they're having it in glen burnie like of all places but it was it was because of uh, it was because of games and stuff you know they just they sell obviously a ton that place is huge they sell a ton of product oh man i did terrible the thing was and they've changed the rules since it was blind you didn't build for nationals actually you built a team but you had to you had to make it through like multiple rounds to actually get to play with with an actual list that you that you built with Heroclix you owned they put out they they put out blind boosters and everybody got two boosters or three boosters 
and you had to f- make like a 300 point team out of whatever you pulled. And, oh uh, and I was, I hadn't been playing that long. I really, I attended that one because I wanted like the swag and I wanted all the, um, all the convention exclusives that you had to pay like triple price on eBay and, you know, price gougers and stuff. So that was my main motivation was that I knew I'd do pretty bad. And then on top of it, what I opened was just garbage. Like I got junk. (laughs) (laughs) And you have no control over that. That's what they do for the uh, magic drafts too. I think. Yeah. You have no control. And I'm like, how is this the precursor to a national tournament? To me, it didn't, I don't think I've kind of fallen off of paying too much attention to it, but I don't think they do that anymore. I'm pretty sure that they don't because people were like, this is kind of dumb. Yeah. Cause you have no control. I mean, it was like two tables, two tables down. This guy pulled like what he had, I think they gave us three boosters. At least they gave us three and not usually sometimes they'd only give you two, but, uh, some guy pulled like some, some like God click, some like ultra rare chase. And it was like, just, I mean, he ran through everybody, but then when it actually came time to play with the, with the, the uh, the list that everybody built, he didn't do squat. So it's just kind of like, I I thought it was dumb. Yeah. It doesn't prove anything. Exactly. I don't, yeah, it was kind of (laughs) dumb. Wow. Uh, so what's yeah. your experience? Um, so the tournament scene, so you said basically you were just doing it for the swag and things like now that's kind right. of a cool idea that they've got like convention exclusives and things, or does that, right. I mean, at first I'm thinking that's pretty cool, but then again, like you said, triple the price later, does that kind of just come off as like a, some sort of money grab or something? How did that know, I, I don't, I don't think it comes off as a money grab by WizKids because they're not making any mo- more money off of it. They're only they're making what they charge, and then people who buy them up are the ones making the money. So, oh, I mean, so they're not like a hundred dollar HeroClick or something. No, no, they're. I mean, they're higher than you would pay for from for normal stuff. But it, you know, typically you're buying. You didn't buy singles. You know, you'd buy like a, a booster had like five figures in it. Mm-hmm. So they were a little higher. They would be, and you, they'd be around. A normal size hero click would be for a con exclusive would be like twenty five or thirty bucks back then. It might be more now, but if mm. you got like a if you got like a colossal or like a big vehicle, uh, they were probably fifty sixty bucks. Mm. But if you if you went and tried to get it on you know eBay or something, you'd get completely or whatever you know some Facebook page that people were trying to sell them. They'd be like triple the price, something nuts. Yeah. Um, mechanics wise and gameplay wise, what did you like about Heroclix and what did you not like about Heroclix? Uh, gameplay wise, I mean, I guess it was nice to looking at it from comparing it to, to Warhammer that you could play a game in a much shorter fashion. So you could get, you could get like several games in, in the time it would take to play one game of, of, uh, of Warhammer, be it 40k or Age of Sigmar. So that kind of gives you a little more flexibility. Yeah, and it's essentially a skirmish game. But you got like what six models or something, right? You could have, you know, depending on how you what you were playing, if you know how how good of you know, how good you were at list building, you could really build out something with a lot of models to kind of control the board, or you know, or go tent pole and play like one two hundred point you know figure. I know, so I played lists before that were you know eight nine, and then played lists that were only I could played one time with only like two hero clicks. So it's just depends on what you feel like doing. So uh, what about all these things? When I first got into it, it was when Heroclix first started. I was right. in high school, I think, or maybe middle school. I can't recall. Um, okay. But uh, with Infinity Gauntlet and uh, 
Hyper Time and mm-hmm. all those when they first came out with all of them. And right. um, I know things have changed a ton because, you know, there was a long period when I was out of Heroclix, and I'm not into it now, but I still have, like, I've got at least one of every character because I always played narratively and just casually, you know. Right. Like, oh, let's do Avengers versus X-Men or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but over the years, like, it was a shock to me when I started buying Heroclix again, and all of a sudden they came with cards. And I was like, what is yeah. all this? And now there's <laughs> new powers. And now all there's, like, now there's, like, pluses next to it on the dial. And then, like, all these different symbols. And then, like, some abilities they never lose and they're permanent. Right. It, it got so complex compared to what I was used to. It was a real shock. It got, and, yeah, it got, it, I watched it get really convoluted just in the, the years I played. And I didn't, I played for, for probably, I don't know, four years, probably about, about four years I played. And it got, yeah, it went from, and I didn't, I didn't play during the non-carded era. There was always cards, but the cards went from just a, you know, a couple symbols and a little bit of text on the front to then it was more symbols to pay attention to and stuff on mm-hmm. the front and the back. And then by the time the, towards the end, there was, there were cards that like unfolded out into like four page. I mean, just a walls of text. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is, re-, and you would need, and it just turned into like this rules lawyering. It was like, you'd spend more time arguing about the, the rules interactions than, than playing. And I just, there was, there were several reasons. That was definitely a big reason why I got out. It was like, this is just convoluted. And for no good reason. Yeah, and then things... One thing I never got into, because I I was not playing during that time, but, like, I know they introduced vehicles, and then, like, people can Mm -hmm. get inside vehicles, right? Yeah, that... When I first started playing, they didn't have vehicles, and they didn't have them for a while, and then the last couple years I played, they brought vehicles back, but nobody in my local play group, I think, like, pretty much ever played them. Like, some people bought them because they thought they looked cool, but... And they changed uh, the vehicle rules. They changed up the vehicle rules from from what they were. They like updated them. And I I don't think I ever bothered even reading the new. People were like, "Oh, vehicles are back, and here's the new updated rules and how they're going to play." And I never even bothered reading it. And I was like, "No, not another thing. I'm not reading another and memorizing another set of like rules and interactions and circumstances." And it's just crazy. Because every time they every time they introduce a new gimmick. It's almost like it can change the meta of the game enough that it's almost like a new addition, right? Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Like vehicles and things like that. Or I know currently, like, I, I kind of follow Heroclix on Facebook a little bit, right. um, like the fan sites and whatnot. And uh, I know, like, they've got those, all the infinity stones, and mm-hmm. you can, like, give somebody, you can, like, equip items now. Yeah, they have equipable items, which um, got to be, it's it's like anything else, they introduce it a little bit in like a set, and you're like, well, that's thematic and kind of cool, that's a nice little layer there, um, but then they it just gets like, bent out of shape, like they just keep adding and adding, and next thing you know, they're just shoehorning it into everything, and everybody's playing it, and then you've got, and then the, the items you would equip would have cards too, so then you'd have oh, a card, God. you'd have a card, a smaller card, they're like a half size of like a half a card, on top of the card of the character it was equipped to. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so, and honestly, I did, there were some that I played, I did enjoy some of the equipment. Like there was a, they'd put out a Joker's wild set, which was like, uh, obviously the Joker from DC. And, uh, I wasn't crazy about the set, but, um, they had like, when, when the scene was big at Phoenix rising, we would have like 
little tournaments most Wednesdays. And sometimes there was participation prizes or a prize if you if you won the most games and points that night, which I, which was one of the if I was thinking about positives was a cool thing. But anyway, I got like a Joker's like gas canister, like his like crazy gas or whatever that make you all crazy. And that mm-hmm. thing was cool. And I liked using that. And there was a symbiote object that I used to use a lot to equip. But you could put it on anybody. So it wouldn't even make sense. It's like, I'm going to put this uh, I'm gonna put this symbiote item. I'm going to equip it on um, Steve Rogers, you know, or whatever. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so. I guess you could. I guess you could be like, oh, he's got the symbiote now or whatever. Or right. like the gas canister. So, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of cool. I think I saw um, Green Lantern's ring before where right. that was equipable. I mean, they did. Yeah, they did like an organized play event. They had that was a big thing for a while. Every pretty much every summer, they'd have a big organized play event with a set. And one summer, it was uh, called the War War of the Light or War of Light, something like that. But it was they did like two waves, and trying to keep up with it was nuts. The amount of figures and rings and things they put out with that set, I don't think they've ever. I don't think they've ever matched it. Like if you went on some website that sells a lot of like singles and things. like a cool stuff Inc. or one of those type of websites that mm-hmm. goes, that has like triple the amount of pages of product to buy singles of than any other set. It's insane. <laughs> wow. And you feel the need to keep up. And it's so like, and it, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it's like, if you missed, we would have it every week. And I would be like, I can't, I can't miss this. If I miss it, I miss the boosters. You couldn't buy the boosters anywhere. They were only, they were sent to stores and only to be used in organized play in the store for tournaments. But the only way you'd find them again, you'd find some on, you know, on eBay for some crazy markups. So it was like, I, it was like religion. Like I had to be there. I couldn't miss boosters. Cause then I didn't have a chance to get X, Y, and Z, you know, heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's actually, that that's kind of neat. I mean, kind of right. like, I think they might do that for magic, the gathering too. Right. I think they've got yeah. like boosters to give you or whatever, if you mm-hmm. participate. Um, yep. But on the other hand, I mean, I'm actually kind of shocked that WizKids would be giving out free product, essentially, right? Yeah, they gave out a lot. It was nice. They gave out. I have a lot of ear clicks. And you say, you know, for free, kind of. But, like, it was only when for sealed. We would have, it would be sealed. We'd pay 20 bucks. And uh, they'd bring a big brick over to the table and open it up. And we'd all grab two random boosters from the brick and uh, pop them open and, and build a list. And hopefully you got lucky and got some good stuff because you, you paid for it, you know, mm-hmm. so you want to get your money's worth. And then also you hope you get good stuff because you want to, you want to win. And then at the end of the night, we would, um, depending on how many people showed up at first, it was, you only got a prize if you won. And then we'd roll off and whoever rolled the highest would get the prize too, just like a participation prize. Now into gameplay now, uh, what did you, you know, generally find as the type of players or the type of, I guess I would say the meta of the game, is it hyper-competitive or was it more casual or was it, was there anything narrative about it? You know, how did you find? So the only thing they tried to, to push some narrative stuff, mostly with those, um, those like annual summertime organized play events, I think is what they were calling them. Um, Mm -hmm. with like the war light, but all of it was just what it just came from the comic books. They assumed that you knew the story. There was no like, there was no narrative in the narrative didn't affect the gameplay at all. Mm. Even one summer they did a, it was cool. They did a civil, it was a bunch of, um, the, all the boosters were like civil war, you know, the civil war storyline from, uh, from the Marvel comics. And, uh, that was cool. 
and they did that was the best attempt they made it like narrative play uh and the prizes for that were sweet i got some really cool um really cool hero clicks from that from that set some of my favorite ones i've ever gotten just from from participating each time and uh the way they tried to tie in a little narrative but it was still mostly just based off assuming that people had read the comics and and kind of knew what happened so yeah so so what about the players like did you were they generally and i know you're just speaking it from your experience in generalizations but were they more win at all cost or were they more you know throw stuff together and, and casual so it was the the local scene at uh, the local scene at Phoenix Rising was casual. All, the only time it wasn't casual was when if we knew what the prize support was and people really if it was like a really good piece or it just looked really cool and people wanted it, it could get a little more competitive. But we would generally message each other around and kind of get a feel what for what everybody was aiming for that week. And and people were good about sticking to it. If we said we were gonna we were gonna allow Silver Age, Golden Age and modern and we were not going to go all cheese and and hyper competitive we were going to build fun thematic lists then we would do that but if it was like from what i see on facebook it seems very very hyper competitive very like the meta the the coolest Mm -hmm. stuff but it sounds like i probably have a bad image of that because i could be listening in on these win at all cost player conversations and then that to me seems like everybody's like that but what right. you're describing is that there's also like reasonable totally normal people as well yeah i mean we had a pretty tight knit uh, tight knit group going at one point in time like we you know we were friendly with each other so i think that had a lot to do with it i think i think it's i think you're seeing you know on the internet of course the most vocal people are those like meta chasing like ultra competitive yeah people that are going to be the most uh, boisterous on the internet about what's great and what they're doing. And so all in all, do I mean, do you miss hero clicks or when, now that you're playing Warhammer, like wh- what would you say the pros and cons of hero clicks are? Okay. So first off, I'll say that I, no, I don't miss hero clicks at all. <laughs> oh, you don't? Um, no, I, I don't. I mean, like if, if you or somebody like, or like James one time was like, let's do this thing with Heroclix. I'd be like, yeah, sure. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be like, no, F Heroclix. I'm not playing that. Like I would play <laughs> to have, to have fun with it. But, but like, I, I wouldn't say I miss it at all. I can tell you for sure. My wife doesn't miss it because I would, I would sit for hours staring at my phone and my, I had a, like this huge thick binder full of all their cards, you know, with all their stats and stuff. And on, um, I forget the name of the website, but it had all their cards and all the, all the information. It's basically like a codex of, of all here clicks, uh-huh. um, for hours. I mean, for hours and hours and hours, like list building. Oh, and, and then I would invest that much time and then I would go play. And if it was ill-conceived or just, I rolled like crap or who knows what, or somebody just built a cheesier, more meta list, I'd be like, kind of pissed like i would it would like put me in a bad mood because <laughs> i put that much time into it and that you know and it just yeah so i would say i don't i don't miss it um i have all my hero clicks i don't think i'd ever get rid of them per se because uh, you know never say never but i don't see any reason to get rid of them i can use them for brutality or you know i took the time collecting them i some of them i got blind some of them i paid a lot of money for at first, when you're mentioning Heroclix and what I know of Heroclix, I feel like there's so fewer options because you, without equipping an item to a character, 
like when you put that character in your list, they only do X, Y, and Z. Like their right. stats are are set. But mm-hmm. something you just revealed to me is that I guess the depth and number of models are so deep that yes, this one character is what it is. But if there's seven different Spider-Man and they all do something different, then you've got a lot of options to pour through. Right, and that's they started doing that, and that was actually now that you mention it, and I think about it, is one of the reasons why. And it, I, you're right about the options, but it got a little frustrating. But uh, something I ran into is that I would be, I would get like a Captain America, and then I would get the same Captain America, or so I thought, because it was the mm-hmm. same exact miniature. Like, yep. But then I'm looking, I'm like, wait a second, these have different points values, different cards. Hmm. I, I, I never realized how badly they were painted whoever whatever person or machine <laughs> painted those painted the Heraclix in whatever factory in Hong Kong or something like they uh-huh. did a terrible they did a terrible job I never realized how bad it was until I started looking at Warhammer stuff and I'm like god I could paint way better than this and I'm not good <laughs> like I've just started so There's, bad one of my favorite things is like where they they misplace like the eye they'll yes. be like an eye on someone's <laughs> eyebrow down on their cheek or whatever <laughs> one of my one of my favorite hero clicks I own is like it's not because it's good or anything. It's just because it's funny. It was a m- complete mistake they had done. What's I think it was the Civil War set, and they had a bunch of different Punishers in there, and like one with like double Uzis, one with like a rocket launcher, and they were cool, like lots of yeah. different weapon sets and stuff. And one of them they had forgotten to paint his hair, like his black slick back hair, and it was still skin tone like his face, so he looked like bald. <laughs> so what is it that you like about Warhammer in contrast? What I like about Warhammer is not chasing, like, I don't, I know there is a meta, there's always a meta for everything. For Heroclix, I was always chasing the meta, I was on eBay and stuff like crazy, trying to, trying to win this, win this model and outbid this person and all this kind of stuff and just chase and chase and chase and always feeling like I was like a step behind and had to like get the next hotness or whatever to keep up. Uh, and I don't feel that way at all for Warhammer. So that's a huge positive. Like, I'm not chasing any kind of meta. I buy the models and, and the factions that I think look cool, that I think I would enjoy building and painting and playing mm-hmm. with. Uh, so I, I like that there's a lot more... I guess there's a lot more different ways to play. Um, for Heroclix, there's pretty much... The, the only different way to play is just different types of list building, like coming up with different ideas like uh you know for this week we're doing 500 points but you have to play all behemoth models like big models or mm-hmm. or um you know you have to have a theme team so all of them have to have the same keyword and stuff like that but that was as as pretty much as creative as you could get for the most part but for you know for warhammer you can go with match play you can do narrative you can do all kinds of battle plans and there's just so many different ways to play a game yeah um and I like the objective-based um, point system for uh, for Warhammer so much better too. It just it's it's much more strategic, and you can it's a game where you can it can turn back and forth a lot. Like you can play a game and start off strong and and flounder in the middle and come back, or you know it can kind of go in different ways. Whereas with Heroclix, most of the time you could tell pretty quick how it was going to go. I mean, there was times where I'd sit down and ten minutes later I was wiped. I was that was it. <laughs> game over um and if a game went long even it was just like 
it was like if games went long it wasn't because it was some like great battle it's because it was a stalemate of cheese on cheese it was like we everybody's buffed up all their uh hero clicks to a 21 defense and hitting on and nobody could hit so you're just rolling dice and nobody's killing anything <laughs> i played i played in america they at one point they introduced these state tournaments and if you won the state you got automatically invited to nationals and uh I literally I played in a like a Maryland State Championship tournament or whatever they called it, and I tied the first two games. I tied. We literally just sat there and rolled dice, and nobody hit anything. Nothing died. No models came off the table. Mm. So you wow. know how we after playing for an hour, how we broke the tie for each one of those games. We each rolled one dice, and whoever rolled higher won. And oh I rolled God. lower. I rolled lower both times. So I went. So I started zero and two, and then I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to play the third the third match. I went too, and I was just so frustrated. I'm like, this is dumb, <laughs> and I'm not even part of the solution. Like, I'm part of the problem. Like, I'm, but I knew if I was going to play in the state tournament, it was going to be super cheese. Like, I had to build this nasty list, but nothing. Yeah. I mean, it was just, ex- and it's all about like exploiting these gray areas and all this kind of stuff. And I know Warhammer has that, especially 40k more so, from what I understand, than um, than AOS. But mm. um, but I, I that's just not such a heavy factor for warhammer that that i've seen from our local group or even from tournaments it's it's pretty straightforward like these are the rules these are what these models do and it's all fair game and some you know some of the models you know or some of the some of the rules for some of the the armies are a little more a little better than others of course sure but, yeah uh, but gw does does a way better job i always laugh when i see people complaining on different facebook pages about gw not like playtesting or reading the rules or you know like you know they they even read this stuff before they print it i'm like you have no idea you clearly you've never you've never played hero clicks and it shows like they would it was like they would put out the most ridiculous stuff for these hero clicks and it's it was so obvious that nobody gave any thought to how it would affect the game it was just like hey wouldn't it be cool if this model could do this crazy thing and who gives a f if if it completely ruins the game so GW wow. does a good does a good job does a better job of kind of I think of playtesting and reading their stuff before they put it out and they're quick to FAQ stuff too like here clicks <laughs> would only do like an errata they do a few erratas here and there they would only do an FAQ like once a year so if something oh, was wow. if something was broken it was broken for the year forever and this yeah. stuff you guys you might spend less up front but then they rotate this out and then you're buying more and then they rotate that out. And you're, you end up, I spent way more on hero clicks in the long run than I do on Warhammer for sure. Right. But, uh, but anyway, um, so in conclusion to this, you don't miss hero clicks and you're happy with Warhammer. Warhammer is the best thing that ever happened to you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't tell my <laughs> wife, but it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> no, I, well, I am I glad I, I am glad I switched. The community we've got, you know, is for the area. You know, it's a small area, but it's it's a it's a good community. I like, you know, made made some some good acquaintances and some good friends through it, and uh, enjoy it. Look forward to it. And uh, I always thought that I wasn't the most creative person um, when it came to you know colors or painting or building stuff like that. But it's kind of brought out some of that and gave me an outlet to that. I mean, it's 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 been a lot of good positives from it. So. And there's then, some, I think there's some, there's some pride in it too. And you, you know, it's like, and people recognize like within the hobby, like, oh, you took the time to do this. So even if, even if you're like a competitive person, you like to win, there's also that appreciation of what somebody built, what somebody painted, you know, it's like you come in, you put something on the table and it's not just, 
all right, let's, I'm ready to kick your ass before you kick mine. There's, there's also the, oh man, I like how you, that's a really cool paint scheme or, you know, what'd you, what color did you use or did, what did you, did, you know, how did you, what was, did you underbase that with retributor armor and then put contrast on top of it to make it that glossy or, you know, there's, there's all that, there's all, there's all the different facets. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, I would just want to point something out to you. Um, you're not aware of this yet, but this will be the end of the show is real talk with the Pimpcron and my test rack mailbox this week. You were talking about, um, special little notes that, you know, like, Oh, you did this or that with your model and the hobby and whatnot. Right. Um, I got a letter from someone who says that <laughs> <laughs> they put ball sacks on all their models and it, <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not a joke. So, uh, he, he said he uses uh, a tyranid bit. I'm not sure if I really want to see that or I really don't want to see that. <laughs> I, I'm intrigued though. I mean, we've jokingly mentioned on like my, a lot of my beast models are, they're definitely ripe for ball sacks. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've joked about it, but I don't think I'd ever actually take the time. I mean, that's dedication. It that's is. He said it started out as a joke. On. Wow. But, but now that's like his thing. He hides the ball sack on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got to have a thing. That's his, you know? Thank you for being on. I appreciate your time. Uh, we'll talk. So yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I, I probably veered way off course because I usually, I, I don't know if I answered all the questions. I, but yeah, it was a good conversation. So that's an important yeah. thing. <laughs>